Hello and welcome to this edition of the Motherboards podcast. Um, I am Matt Tamrick with product development for Motherboards. And with me today is surf team rider, Father Dan Malaco. And then our guest for today is snowboard team rider, John Glaw. So John, uh, man, really happy you could join us. Um, really pleasure to have, have you on and, and, uh, yeah, we'll hear about some a couple surfers want to hear about some snowboarding. So um excited to get into it. Yeah. Grab me. Yeah. Um, hey, so let me ask, like, when's when's the last time you've snowboarded? Do you go like once a week, once every two weeks? Like Yeah. The, the last time I went was Friday. So uh, it's kind of nice actually going to Boulder because the nearest mountain's like 30 minutes away. So, I mean, it's it's nothing to get up there. Typically, like with my stage in life now, I'm getting roughly about 30 days a season. It's kind of what I'm shooting for. But man, when I was an undergrad and I had all, it seemed like I had all the time in the world. I was I was snowboarding like 50, 60 days a season or something. It was crazy. So, and like yeah. just for reference, how long is the season? You're like. 30, 50 days. Is it like 70 days, 120? Um, it's typically, so it's from end of November till beginning of April, I want to say. So, or mid-November. So okay. I'm an accountant. I should know how to count the days, but that's got to be like, you know, four or five More months. Than nine. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don, so, you, you act like you're an old man. You're like in my, my stage of life. You know? yeah, I, yeah, saw father, I saw father like, like, it like got his attention. Like he's <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah. man, you don't have grandkids running around. Like that's you know. true. That's true. No. Yeah. You know, I, I, whenever I say, I say that around my dad too, I'm like, man, back in the day, he's like, shut, shut up. Like, You're 24. Like, come on. So yeah, you know, 24, still, still, still kicking, still kicking 30 days a season typically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I surfed. Uh, I surfed Thursday, Friday last week. Um, so yeah, I mean that's about the same time frame for me. Um, good, good swell. We had another good swell come through. It's just been, and we've got more waves this week. Like it's pretty crazy the consistency we've had this winter. Um, I don't know what that's all about, but um, you know. But here's here's another thing I was thinking about because as someone who follows the championship tour. So right now, the World Surf League's championship tour is at Pipeline, so North Shore of Oahu, Hawaii. The Pipeline like contest window is open. They kicked it off like Wednesday or last something last week. Anyway, today, uh, they didn't run the contest today. It was 15 to 18 feet, like mm-hmm. solid North Shore waves, 15. They didn't run it, and there was a lot of wind, but it made me think, like, are there any mountains you know, like, you will just never charge? Because I would, like, I know I'll never charge 15 to 18 foot pipeline, right? Like, I'm never paddling out in that. What, yeah. what does that look like for a snowboarder? Ah, uh, man, that's a good question. I feel like because every mountain typically tries to provide, I feel like, a, a variety of ride readability, I guess, for a lot of different people. There's no like mountains that I won't go to, but there's mountains that have actually banned snowboarders, which is crazy. Um, there's this mountain called Alta 
and they, they just don't allow snowboarders because like their big issue is like on moguls. If you guys know what moguls are, they're, they're just these big mountains that skiers make typically snowboarders can make them too. You know, I don't, I don't know how skiers feel about that, but they can, I promise. But, um, Alta gets super like, you know, crazy about snowboarders, like shaving those off. So they just like flat out band them. So I can't ride Alta. The only thing that really like, I, I would say is like unrideable is typically like, like extremely large terrain park features, like scare the crap out of me, man. Like there's, there's jumps that Keystone, for example, sets up and, and Woodward Copper that the gaps like from the knuckle from the jump to the knuckle are typically about like 60 to 80 feet. So you're like, you know, three story, three to four stories up in the air. That stuff scares the crap out of me. I, when I was, I, I guess I, I wasn't, I wasn't going that big still when I was like 17, 18, but my, my biggest feature ever was like 40 to 50 feet. Like it was, it was nothing that like that big, like X games just put up their jump for, um in aspen i think that was like two weeks ago or something and that gap was like i want to say like 90 feet it's just they're they're huge so wow. those are typically like off limits for me i'm like i don't i'm so like, like 200 pounds, you know I, i'm gonna kill myself if i yeah, crash yeah, yeah. so that, that's the that's the length of the gap is what you're talking about mm-hmm. yeah so what, what does that ramp height look like oh man mm-hmm. uh ramp height oh, gosh they could be up to up to like 30 feet typically like from from the base of the jump to like the top of the top of the takeoff it can be like it can be 30 feet which is which is just that's unthinkable to me it's just so crazy that's pretty big yeah Yeah, when you talk about like three to four stories i think of what pipeline was like today and if you you know if you get hung up on the lip and it throws you on the lip you you're falling a long way like it's and so last week the contest opened on day one there's a rookie Mm -hmm. on tour and his first wave on the championship tour because the season opens with pipe now they they re they reorganize the the season but he takes off on his first wave he gets hung up on the lip and it just throws him and then he gets turned in the air and he took like he took a beat he was okay but he took a beating and the, the fall was really awkward um and then like the next day I'm surfing here at home, the same mm-hmm. thing happens to me. And all I can think about, cause I'm like in the air sideways. And all I can think about is like me getting chucked at pipeline. Although, you know, I'm falling like two feet. <laughs> that guy's, that guy felt like, you know, that it was, at least it was three boring. times more than that. <laughs> uh, yeah. At least, at least. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the thing about snowboarding too is like, I mean, maybe it's, a little similar to surfing in the fact that like when you're riding up on jumps that big you're going so fast you have to go so fast because if you don't you, you do what's called casing and that's where you don't make that gap and so you're falling two stories two to three stories just straight straight to flat and people you know crack their spines like big spinal injury kind of area but you're coming up on that stuff and you're going so fast you actually feel like g-force like press you against the against the jump and if you're not ready for that you'll just get kicked like off your ankles and then you'll just fly you know with your back and it's just it can be a mess so i'm sure it's the same in surfing but yeah man wear your helmet kids that's what you're saying basically yeah Yeah, wear your belt for sure yeah i always remember uh the noah's ark surfing video you remember that one 
<clears throat> they made it about a local uh, Christian surfer down in the Outer Banks. Anyway, yeah. they interviewed Jim Cantor yeah. from the uh, uh, Weather Channel, and I remember him throwing out this fact. It was like 20 years ago, but he goes, water weighs 64 pounds per square foot. And I always think of that metric. Like when the wave is crashing down, I'm like, how many feet of cubic water are there on top of me right now? Insane. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, too. Wasn't there recently like a priest and he, and he died surfing, right? And he's a and is he a blessed now? Have you guys heard of that guy? We should find out. Oh, oh man, I someone was telling me about that a while ago. But there's like I, I think a blessed guy who and he was a priest and he died like by from surfing. I, I don't I forget when it was, but crazy power in that, right? Did you find him, Father? Yeah, priest who died while surfing considered for sainthood after Brazilian surfer died. This is in 2014, I think. Uh, the becoming an ordained priest, the Vatican has officially given the holiest of okays to his ascent to sainthood. Okay. Who's that? Yeah. Uh, Guido Schaefer, the surfing angel is what he's called. <laughs> it's wild. Leave it to the snowboarder to tell us we got a priest who died surfing. I feel like I've let my people down. John, you can, still, John, you can still rise to that patron of surfing level, though, before he does. You know, like you, you still got time. I first, and then I, yeah. I don't know, we'll work it out. <laughs> I'd like a little more time here before that. All right, right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, John's probably actually a much better surfer than us. He just hasn't mentioned that. He's keeping that oh. a secret. Oh, so he was the the. The best I got is like surfing Assateague Island in Maryland, which is like a foot and a half, maybe two feet on like an eight foot Walden board or something. <laughs> like, it's nothing comparable probably to what you guys are doing, but yeah, nothing crazy. So John, tell us, uh, all right, so you're in Boulder. Tell us like what, you know, what you're doing these days, what you're up to. Um, and uh, yeah. And then, and then how about like, how did you get first connected to motherboards? Um, how did that connection relationship start? Yeah. So nowadays I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, I'm studying for, to get my master's in accountancy and, you know, which is kind of weird to think, you know, you think of accountants as, you know, people who love to keep the books, which is true, but you know, I get, I get after it, you know, a couple of times, but I'm doing my master's in accounting. Um, and then I'll be working in Denver next year. But I got connected to motherboards. So I, I first ever heard and saw motherboards at Seek in Indianapolis. And that was uh, when I think it's Father Father Gabriel, right? Brother Gabriel. Brother Gabriel um, was skateboarding in his habit. He's just this, you know, I, is he a CFR? Is that what he is? He's a friar of the Immaculate. Fran okay. Yeah, Franciscan friars of the Immaculate. Correct. Yeah, he, he was he was skateboarding at Seek, full full habit, and I'd never seen that before. And I was like, kind of coming to the faith and whatnot. And I was like, that is really cool, man. That you know he's that good at skateboarding. And so that was the first time I'd ever heard of motherboards. And then later on, my friend Emily, who is a focus missionary at OSU, she met up with Lisa, and Lisa is she's the founder, right, of of motherboards, and they got connected, and she mentioned my name and she said, Oh, my friend, John, he was a focused missionary. He's like somewhat okay at snowboarding. You guys should totally link up, you know? And so I, I reached out to her and she, uh, she made it happen. So she gave me, she was very generous and, uh, you know, let me, let me be on the team. And 
been loving it ever since, man. Great company, great people. So like, I got a question for you. What board do you ride? What's your favorite? My favorite, honestly, I've been loving this board that, that motherboards, motherboards gave, gave to me. It's, it's made in the never summer factory. So, and never summer boards are just hands down. Some of the best snowboards that you can, you can get They're They're expensive. So they're, you know, they're very high quality. And because that board's made in the Never Summer Factory, then the camber and the specs on it are just top notch. Like they're awesome. So I've honestly been loving this board. Before I was riding what's called like a Burton Process, and I had the Burton Process different models like every single year because I loved it so much. Um, but then Lisa gave me this board, and I've just been—it's been awesome, man. The, the flex on it—it's perfect for all mountain. It's great. So, but I ride like a 161. I'm like 200 pounds, like 6'2. So, you know, the, I got to have mm. quite a bit of, you know, undercarriage underneath me. <laughs> hey, so let's try this. Here's John being just okay at snowboarding. <laughs> Woo! Casually throwing out a backflip, no big deal. <laughs> Dude, did you just do a rail slide into a backflip? Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. <laughs> I didn't know that was even possible, but looks great. <laughs> hey, so like, are you considered? Are you considered goofy foot? What's goofy? Yep. Right okay. forward. Yeah. Father knows. Let's go. Dirty, yeah. regular-footed people. What's wrong with you? I bet you <laughs> your left hand. I don't know too. why they call it. I don't know why they call it goofy. Should be, should be regular. You know. I didn't know if that was the same thing in uh, snowboarding. I mean, I figured it probably was, but yeah, father's goofy foot too. So no, I, I believe they actually call it switch foot. Switch foot. Uh, no, I'm just like kidding. Uh, switch foot. The band. Like southpaw. <laughs> Yeah, that's impressive, man. What's what's the hardest thing you, that we just saw? What's the hardest trick? Is it like the backflip? It was yeah, it was probably that that backflip off a rail, which I mean, you know, relative to the population, like yeah, it's impressive, you know. But now every time I ride through the park, there's like a nine year old kid that will drop in front of me and just like do twice like whatever I just did, you know. And I'm like, great, you know, <laughs> like. I can only go down from here, you know what I'm saying? So, but yeah, that was, that was probably the, that was probably the best trick or hardest, hardest trick I'll say. There's not really a comparable thing I'm thinking. Cause you're, you're talking about like these little kids getting better than you as surfers. We can get old and just switch to longboards and be nice and lazy and slow, but there's like no less intense version of snowboarding for you all as you get older. Yeah. I, I you know, when you get older, I feel like, you kind of start to get out of the park more, you know, cause you, I think you can break bones like a lot more easily, but you're right. It's like, then you transition to going back country and then you got to deal with avalanches and rocks and cliffs and all that, all that crazy stuff. So yeah, it's kind of, kind of can be intense all around, but you can make it, I mean, you can make it chill, you know, go ride blues, you know, when I'm 60, I think that sounds nice too. Yeah, that's the thing. I think with surfing, you you can at least you can feel like you're always getting better. You might not really be getting better, 
but it feels like you can still progress. And then you can always switch to the longboard and like just cruise around. But it's the same way in surfing. There's some nine-year-old who's shredding, you know, and it's like um, doing moves that we did playing video games when we were in college, like trans world surf and guys doing crazy airs and El Rolos. And it's like, and now guys are doing it. It's not video games anymore. It's nuts. It is. Yeah. Catches me off guard too. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know? <laughs> so, I want to either be you or I want you to be my son, you know, something like that. Uh, I was going to ask, cause I know like we've talked about it before. Uh, there's a bunch of spirituality just in the ocean and just surfing really connects you with a lot. I mean, nature and all these things, the tide, the moon, the sun, everything. Uh, and we've talked about that before. Do you have any similar connection uh, with snowboarding? Like is any spiritual significance that you've found or anything like that? Yeah, I think it's probably, I would say relatively similar in snowboarding. The fact that when you're out there and you're, in large part, if you're resort riding, it's not like you're that exposed to the elements. But I mean, you, you can be, you know, you can be in the middle of nowhere sometimes at these big resorts. And, um, you know, it it, it kind of what's nice about it is that you're really not in as in control as you think you are, you know. And I think it's it's the same in surfing, which causes you to like, yeah, comprehend something bigger than yourself. And I think that's what snowboarding especially in colorado really gives you is like you're up on these lifts that you know are eleven thousand feet or something and you're standing and you're just like looking at these massive mountain ranges and you're like yeah it, it just causes you to think that there's got to be something bigger than me and i think that's what i just love about snowboarding is it, it's a constant reminder it's it it's constant humility you know recognizing like yeah i am really I am really dust, you know, like when it comes to all this and it's, it's, uh, it's something really beautiful. I think another, another piece that really draws me to contemplate God, I think, especially in the context of snowboarding is man, just like, it's this weird, I don't know how it is with surfing, but you know, when you're riding, it's like, you just feel like you're flying, man. Like it, there's just nothing like it, you know? And yeah. just to be able to experience that level of, of joy when you're out there especially when you're with your friends because like you never want to share those experiences alone ever yeah. and if you do then it's like are you like taking it for yourself or are you like you, you know so I, riding with friends i think and sharing those experiences like that feeling of literally just coasting like so fast and like you're just having the time of your life man it's it's like it is the best like it really is you know absolutely yeah. So John, tell us about how snowboarding was kind of intertwined with your reversion back to the faith and then how, uh, your, your kind of your life theme, your life, you know, it's not a verse, but your life theme memento Mori, how that all yeah. played a part in it and, and your whole conversion reversion back to the faith with snowboarding as, uh, in the mix. So it started with, um, me and this, honors trigonometry class in high school and there was these group of guys and they were sitting across from me and they were just like talking about snowboarding and whatnot and me being like a punk teenager at the time thinking i was like better than everybody else i was like man what do these guys know you know like i'm the real i'm the snowboarder you know in our high school like these guys can't claim you know anything whatever um and then 
come to find out like one of my friends who had a condo up in winter park invited them to come up and snowboard too and so we spent like the weekend together basically found out that these guys were catholic and i had like some catholic background like i grew up nominally catholic so my parents were catholic by name and so you know kind of led to me like hanging out with these guys more because they took snowboarding i think more seriously than a lot of the people in my high school did and yeah i think it was just through a lot of like heart-to-heart -heart conversations a lot of like heartfelt friendship like real friendship i think is something that i lacked in my life that they provided for me and it was like authentic you know it wasn't like yeah you know just drink away your feelings or whatever it was you know like I was so used to it was like hey like let's talk about this and you know give you some direction i think in your life and so their kind of influence in my life was pretty much because of snow like it started with snowboarding and then in college i was just kind of going through the same stuff and then they were all going to seek indianapolis and then they invited me to that conference and that is pretty much what led to me surrendering my life to jesus christ and that's why I'm, I'm pretty much here today. So a lot of it started with snowboarding, which is pretty cool. Uh, have the Lord use that to kind of bring you back to himself, you know? Yeah. yeah. I always say that God is so creative in the way he takes care of us and shows us his presence and like nudges us in certain directions. You know, he's so yeah. creative, like, wow. Totally. Yeah. And then, go, ahead. go for it, Father. I was just going to, and then neat that he chose that thing that you love, right? Mm -hmm. And he, he was like, no, I'm going to draw you into me through this thing, but you're not even going to know. And yeah. I don't know, it just made me think of the gospel last weekend because Jesus is doing miracles for everyone, but he's doing individual miracles. Like he's not mm -hmm. just saying this is a one size fits all thing. And so for you, he was like snowboarding. That's how I'm going to get you. Like that's the, the little thing I need to get inside your heart. It's just yeah. awesome. No, totally. And what started off as something like that inflated my pride, you know, so much. Mm -hmm. And even though I was like never that good relative to like pros or anything, it was something that I used to, you know, put myself out there on like Instagram and it just like inflated my pride. He used that to like, you know, humble me and like bring me into himself, kind of like you were saying, Father. And then Matt, yeah, you asked about that phrase memento mori and i think that's something that's always kind of stuck with me um throughout my life and especially at the start of my reversion because really i think because i've been living so lukewarmly and i think um in such a self-centered way it really took kind of like knocking me on my butt for me to realize like yeah i really am nothing without god and one of those one of those reminders was that phrase memento mori which is you know remember you must die remember your death and what in the christian context and it's got roots in you know judaism and buddhism or whatever but especially in the christian context i think it helps us contemplate and meditate on purgatory heaven hell um what it means to be separated from god for all eternity and that realization of yeah that is totally possible for me to be separated from god for all eternity is what kind of knocked me on my butt and um started the process of me not you know, fearing, you know, hell, but like me actually loving God. Mm. And so that's how it started. But um, yeah, it took, it took that kind of fear and it was brought on by my spiritual director. He, he like prayed over me and I, you know, I had a pretty crazy experience and yeah, it was, it was intense for sure.
but it got me to where I am. Yeah. And that's, that's such like a, like a redemptive way to look at that phrase, you know, like remember your death or remember death. And I think, I think most people think of it like, remember my own death. Um, but that idea of remembering your own death brings life to you now, right? Like that's the redemptive gospel attributes of that phrase. Um, because now like that phrase is bringing life to you, correct? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And something I think, uh, father Peter, who's, who's the preset boulder, he was saying in his homily last night, he was like, yeah, really the only real faith I think that encompasses suffering so perfectly is Christianity. Like really suffering really only makes sense within the context of our faith. And it, it pairs and goes hand in hand so well with like memento mori, you know, like if you don't die now, you know, on this earth to yourself, then how do you, you know, you're, you're going to die for all eternity pretty much, you know? And, um, so yeah, exactly. But, it, but what it's meant to do is, is, is drop, bring you life, you know, by, by remembering that you're, you know, you're dust and that you, everything that you are is, has to be completely reliant on God. That is what is supposed to actually bring you joy, you know, which is so, sounds like a paradox, but it's true. Yeah. Father, is there a connection to Ash Wednesday with that phrase? Um, like if you were to look in, um, you know, like the liturgy for Ash Wednesday, just thinking about Lent and Ash Wednesday, you mean creeping up on us pretty quickly here. That's the nine days. Yeah. You mean Memento Mori specifically? Yeah. Um, it's it's not phrased that way in any of the liturgy, as far as I'm aware. I mean, other than the when the priest is imposing the ashes on your forehead saying, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. But the alternative phrase that he can use is repent and believe in the gospel. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not specifically said, but it does have that very heavy overtones of, you know, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. Um, I was looking, I was trying to find it very quickly and I couldn't, but uh, Robert Bellarmine, St. Robert Bellarmine has a book called The Art of Dying Well. And like, I think it's chapter one. He just knocks you off your feet. And he's like, if you don't die to yourself here on earth before you die, you will never truly live. And those who do die while they're on earth are the ones who figure out how to live well. And he, he writes an entire book on the theology of Catholic death and memento mori based off like that premise. You must die to yourself first or you will never inherit uh, eternal life. Yeah, it's so cool. I think I think what what it brings to mind, I think, especially within the context of snowboarding, too, is like, yeah, when you're up there and you're just so you're like so small and you're so subservient you know like to the elements and you have control over nothing it what it reminds me of is like like i am dust you know and and like i really have no power or like control over over my life really you know like it's it's my creator that does and he can take that from me at any point when he wants to um so, so they taught us in seminary of what you're describing sorry i didn't mean to cut you off if you have no 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 continue yeah go for it what you're describing. I remember my, my professor, uh, Father Grigacy, who's a Franciscan, talking about this exact thing. Like when you're standing on top of the mountain, you're just looking at it all, taking it all in. 
and you're feeling so minuscule, like that's that's an experience of humility, but it's through what the scripture calls the gift of fear of the Lord. And so it's not what we would understand the word, like I'm afraid of the Lord. It's more so, as I was saying, you know, and Father Grigacy used the example of when you stand at the top of the Grand Canyon and you see how vast it is and how small you are compared to it, and then you fully understand the awe some nature, like God is full of awe and reverence. And that is what they translate as fear of the Lord in the Bible. So, and they say, you know, fear of the Lord is the first step of wisdom. So you're experiencing this in his creation on top of his mountain, all in the elements, as you're saying, it's like, dude, that's the first stage of wisdom. Just being impressed by what God did out in nature. I'll take it. Yeah. 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 So that, that brings to mind two, two questions of images for you, John. So like, one is like, when you pray, do you like to look at that like mountain snow, like the snowboarding elements? Like for me, I can't always look at the ocean, but I love to look at uh, trees in nature when I'm praying. Even when I'm inside, I face a window or a door and I look out at nature. Um, so that's the first, that's the first image question. What, what's that like for your, like your prayer life? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually a great question. I think in regards to prayer, I would say like, I have pretty like imaginary, like, I just love like, you know, imagining things, I think as I'm praying and that's, that's on the forefront of my mind, obviously, like I, I always go back like in my, in my prayer, like if I'm ever feeling overwhelmed or anxious, like there's this like cabin that I picture in my mind and it's like the Lord and I, and like, we're just like in this cabin together. Um, and it's like snowing outside and it's like just about to be dusk. And like you, you step outside the door and there's just like the biggest mountain range you've ever seen, you know? And it's just like, so calm, so peaceful. And yet like, you're so like, you feel so like you were saying, father, like in awe, you know? And so, so I, I, frequently go back to that um kind of image in my mind whenever i'm praying and you know need some peace i think because it's like yeah like all these things all these anxieties fears like whatever i'm experiencing are like so small i think compared to what's waiting for me and like um what the lord has has in store you know so yeah that's that's one yeah actually uh it's not said in luke chapter 10 but when jesus went to visit martha and mary they were staying in a little ski resort cottage in Colorado and you know Martha had some hot chocolate on the stove you know yeah um, yeah no I think about that too actually all the time it's crazy. <laughs> so back back to Memento Mori um and thinking of like images what is the image you think about with Memento Mori because I know there's more than one image associated with that phrase yeah I think and father you were you and i were talking about this earlier but you know like that that image of a skull i think um is really reminds me of the fact that you know if you we're, we're so we're in this day and age we're, we're so about comparing ourselves to one another and it's like if you place two skulls you know by each other it's like they, they look the same you know and no matter you know who you are or pretty much what you've done too. It's like, you're going to look the same in like, you know, 150 years or something. You're both going to be going to be skeletons, you know? And so that's, that's one, one image that comes to mind. I think another one is, is that, that image, like our, our glasses, I think are associated with Memento Mori too. Um, but like roses too, I think skulls and roses, uh, you know, 
for some reason, like they're always paired together. And I think like one obviously represents death, but then another represents life, you know, and like what, what life brings and, and, you know, from death, like if that makes any sense, but I, I just like really like that kind of pairing together. Cause it's like pretty solemn, but it's cool to think about too. So. Say so I have that tattoo right here. I've got the hourglass. <laughs> uh where's the, the black rose over here it's a red rose up there and a skull sitting on top let's go That's yeah. yeah father what is that phrase meant to you oh man so it was actually the first tattoo i ever got uh it's on the my back over here and yeah it was actually part of the fraternity that i i joined in uh at franciscan university it was like our phrase and it was just we stole it from Capuchins or Carthusians. I can't even remember. And it was just this idea like, hey, you got to live for something bigger than yourself because it's all coming to an end. And then, you know, learning and, and growing in the um, Catholic theology of death and, and praying for a good death and all these things, you know, um, it's just been something that I've curated in my life and like all of my artwork. Yeah, this is... You know, I can't even see it. An art uh, piece by a local Virginia Beach artist, Rocky Rhodes. You know, he's got a bunch of murals at Java Surf and all places. But, you know, putting skulls all in it uh, just to, to show, like, life has great things, but some pretty uh, gnarly things, too. But um, where was I going with that? Memento Mori has just always been very important uh, to me. And, like, John was saying, you know, the idea of two skulls sitting next to each other, and they're indistinguishable um on my desk at my church where where people meet with me every day i have two life-size skulls sitting at looking at the people who sit down in front of me and i have a crucifix facing them in the center and it's to confront them immediately when they sit down in front of me you're going to die and you must be okay with that because you're going to stand before jesus and one skull is gold and it's got a crown and the other skull i put a monsignor's hat on and the idea being whether you're a somebody in the church or whether you're a king of the world or whether you're nobody, you are going to stand before Jesus and you need to be able to give a good account of your life. So you better live well. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's like a little paradox within that, too, that, um, you know, thinking about our death or what two skulls look like side by side in 150 years from now and they look the same. And so. You know, that can remove the comparative and the competitive, uh, you know, culture we live in um, because that's our nature before God Almighty, the creator of the universe. And yet the paradox is that he loves each of us so personally, you know, we never have to compete for the personal love of a personal father. And like that's. The way he can do both those at the same time, it's beyond our understanding. And it's, you know, I don't even, it's it's just incredible the way that he, yeah. Well, I don't know, Matt. Let me ask you. Does your love for your son take away from the love from your daughter? Or vice versa? Right? Yeah, like it yeah. seems to me you would love them both at 100%, even though it seems impossible to love 200%. Yeah, you know, it's uh they're unique and they're they're 100% both each, you know, and uh um 
I think as Christians, when we live a life um, of faith that that you know that knows and has experienced this personal and perfect love of the Father, for like for me, um, I I can share that with someone else without having to feel like this is a competition or there's a comparative element here. Um, and that's a beautiful thing about our faith because um, you're right. I just listened to a podcast today where a mom was talking about how she was pregnant with her sixth kid, I think. And she said, the love multiplies. People look at her and say, like, how could you do that? There's, is there enough love to go around? Yes. The love actually multiplies. I've heard other parents describe it, that their heart grew a new room or a new chamber that it didn't previously have had at the, the birth of a new child, you know, and that's beautiful. All that. Yeah. Well, I love that. Um, you've, you've latched on to that and gravitated to that phrase, John, I mean, father, you as well, but, um, I, you know, it feels very, um, um, you know, it's contrary to what we're made and forced and taught to believe. Right. And that's become a part of your identity. And, uh, you can mix all that in with snowboarding too, which is, it's a really cool witness. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank, thanks for asking. I, uh, yeah, I love it. It's great. Yeah. And I, I think especially in, the stage that I am now, you know, just with, with grad school and whatnot. And it's, it, it's such like a competitive environment and everybody's talking about money all the time. And it's like, man, like, you know, how quickly I can be even like in my heart drawn away from like what I'm really made for, you know, um, which is, which is why, you know, for me, it's like so important to sit in front of the Eucharist every single day, and, like remind myself, okay, like, this is not it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really not about these these smaller things so yeah yeah and that's something we've talked about here on the podcast as surfers is um you know returning to what's good for us like as surfers returning to the ocean and how good it is for our soul to be back in the ocean but the parallel being like man, how good is it for us to return to the Lord and, and um, an experience of prayer or worship or, or adoration, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of the Psalm that talks about, um, I can't remember which one, but the, the roots of the tree being on the bank of the shore and that they, they feed from the river going by so that when drought comes, like they're still connected to the source of water underground so that they don't die and, like, yeah, we got to keep being connected to that source, just like John said, you know, like, got to keep those roots strong. And I'm going to say the water because we're surfers, but, uh, you know, whatever analogy works on the mountain. <laughs> yeah, like keeping those those roots tapped into the Eucharist is the only way. Totally. It's a palm tree by the ocean. I guess it's an evergreen on the mountain, huh? Evergreen on the mountain. That works too. Evergreen, pine, whatever you like. There's also this image in the Christian life of meeting Jesus at the end. And I just read this in the catechism of the Catholic Church uh, within the last week. But this is the section on, um, you know, a, a life everlasting, heaven and particular judgment. 
and it's beautiful, but here it is. And I'll leave us with this. When the church for the last time speaks Christ's words of pardon and absolution over the dying Christian, seals him for the last time with a strengthening, anointing, and gives him Christ in viaticum as nourishment for the journey, she speaks with gentle assurance. And this is it. Um, This is the prayer of um, commendation. Go forth, Christian soul, from this world in the name of God, the Almighty Father, who created you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who suffered for you. In the name of the Holy Spirit, who was poured out upon you, go forth, faithful Christian. May you live in peace this day. May your home be with God in Zion, with Mary, the Virgin Mother of God, with Joseph and all the angels and saints. May you return to your Creator, who formed you from the dust of the earth. May Holy Mary, the angels, and all the saints come to meet you as you go forth from this life. May you see your Redeemer face to face. It's it's beautiful. And that's what our church tells us to encourage us. Amen. 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 Well, John, hey, thanks for joining us today. Um, It's good to hear uh, all about the snowboard world. And and, uh, we're certainly going to have you back on. And we'll share some stories about surf and snow and how, you know, all these things relate to each other. And the way uh, Father Dave Pavanka always does, because I like that dude. And if he can do it, then I'm going to say it's legal. So the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he turn his face upon you and shine his countenance down on you. May the angels and saints intercede for you. And may Almighty God bless you this day and all who listen, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for joining us. Sweet. Peace.